everyone, and welcome to the first podcast of Rise Higher. We are your source for everything related to the Canadian women's national team. I'm Laura. Uh, I'm Meg. I'm Molly. So welcome. And for our first podcast, we will answer some questions from Twitter, mainly focusing on the team going forward and what the World Cup squad will look like. So we're just going to get into the first segment today, and we're going to talk about the She Believes Cup and what we thought our, um, how the team did and, you know, we just want to clarify what their fight is about with the Canadian Soccer Association. Yeah, I think it's kind of hard to judge the team too critically for this, just based on everything that's going off off the field and how difficult it would be to perform to your best when you can't have support to perform to your best. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, the issue that we have as well is that we we can only imagine how this has impacted the team. And I think this has been something that has been overlooked in some circles um, in terms of we can't use this in, as an excuse, of course, and I'm sure the team aren't use, using it as an excuse. But the difficulty is, is that um, I don't think you can overestimate the impact that this could have had emotionally um, and mentally and even physically on these players. Um, I think I looked at the dates between everything because I thought this has actually all happened really quickly. Um, and they first announced the strike, I think, on the 10th of February. Uh, by the 12th, um, that's when they had been threatened with being sued. And then they had games on the 16th, the 19th and the 22nd. So as well as the weight of what's going on, they've had no time to sit with this, think about what it means, what it means in terms of their relationship with the Federation, their relationship with sort of them playing for the team that they've obviously put so much into um, this whole time and now everything is up in the air and I know even as a fan it's been so sudden and so odd an experience to for everything to have changed and for I know as fans us looking forward so much to the World Cup and thinking um, you know that funding would be increased this year and that you know they're a real um, competitor in this uh, tournament this summer and to have thought you know they they're not going to get the chance to prepare properly um their preparation matches um i mean they'll possibly be um striking for them so i think everything has changed and um whilst we, there are bits that we can take from these performances uh, i think it's really hard to get a solid grip on where they're at right now yeah and i think too wasn't it just before the japan game that it came out that sinclair and becky were you know going to be invited to testify in the house of commons and so i think that obviously weighs on on two really important people in the squad you know if you have to hear you're going to testify before before the government in terms of everything that's going on and so um and i think bev's going to be asked as well so i think that i'm sure that was weighing on her mind and you know bev did say during the pressers you know no excuses and they were even saying after the match in the huddle all the players were saying we can't use this as an excuse and i don't think they would but you can't deny the atmosphere. And Bev said too, you know, that warm up during the Japan game, she could tell that people were exhausted. She could tell that things weren't really going well. And I mean, I think I was very guilty of during the US game, I was hoping for better. And I think maybe after they settled in, it, you know, it wasn't uncharacteristic. I think they had some good flashes. And then the Brazil game, I was pleasantly surprised. I, you know, that rebound is really nice to see in that fight. Um, and then the Japan game, I think we're all in the same boat where that was just kind of very, sad and depressing because it you hoped that after the brazil game they would come out with a bit more fire that they would have it but it's almost like they used all of that during the brazil game and then 
just didn't have anything against the Japan team, which credit to Japan. Japan is a great team. And Japan also, you know, they hadn't scored a goal since what, September? So, you know, this was a J Japanese team that was fighting for a goal and, you know, really going forward with gusto. And we just, we couldn't counter it. And so I, I don't know, I can't blame them necessarily, but I mean, there are things that worried me, but there were also little things that I thought, okay, if we work on this going forward, it could go well. Awesome. So I think we can move on now to um, one question that we had from Twitter. So from MCWFC Pova, what needs to improve the most with the World Cup just around the corner? And Meg, do you want to go first? Uh, yes, uh, definitely. Um, so for me, it's got to be consistency. Um, again, really difficult to tell from these matches, but um, I think in general, I think um, probably a fair comment to say uh, that we we do have these really good matches. Um, it, I think on all fronts, um, attack, midfield, defence, um, we sort of have these really promising moments where we score open play goals, which um, hasn't really been a thing um, in the past and through the Olympics. Um, and then we seem to kind of lose it a bit. For me, um, a regular starting 11 uh, would be a very useful thing, I think, particularly up front. Um, I think Janine Becky at the moment is probably the only consistent starter up front. So um, you're not quite building those partnerships um, yet. And that is something that had this tournament been, for lack of a better phrase, a normal tournament for this team, it would have been a lot, I think, a lot easier um, to sort of build towards that. And hopefully that's something we see in the friendlies going forward. Um, you need a consistent start in 11. You need those partnerships to build. Um, I think the midfield is an issue. Um, it showed up um, against Japan that when we go against these um, really sort of forceful attacking teams, the midfield just gets sliced right through. Um, and I know that we're going to discuss later on um, what we believe is the solution to that. Um, but yeah, I, I would say uh, there's bits on all fronts to work on, but generally I think having a consistent approach and a consistent lineup. Um, I agree. It's for me, it's the midfield and partnerships. Um, like you said, Meg, we really do need to nail down a starting 11. And for me, that really comes with nailing down a starting midfield. I think um, we're using Fleming in two different roles. We're using Fleming in a double pivot that doesn't really seem to work. We're you, you know, and then sometimes Quinn is there. Sometimes Scott is there. Um, obviously Quinn was in or was sick this tournament. Um, so we didn't really get to see much of them, but I need to see a consistent midfield because that to me is the heart of this team. Um, and we need players like Jesse Fleming and Julia Grissa to be in a position that best suits them. Um, so that really is important to me. And then additionally partnerships and Bev has kind of touched on this, but we have key players injured right now. You know, we don't have Nichelle Prince. We don't have Deanne Rose. We don't have Jade Riviere. And so we need players to build partnerships. So we need, you know, our nailed starters. So let's say Jesse Fleming, Janine Becky, Ashley Lawrence. We need them to start being able to create partnerships with players like a Lacasse, an Awujo, a Larissi, people that haven't really had much time on this team and could very well end up at the World Cup just because of our injury situation. So we really need partnerships to build. And I know Bev has said, you know, the April window will be used for training and then one match against France, which given everything with the French national team right now might be up in the air itself. But I think that having a few extra training days will be um, really beneficial for this team to kind of get those partnerships nailed down. 
And I'll just echo what both of you guys said. It's the partnerships and starting lineup and figuring out what works best when. And it's hard to do that when we're missing so many of our key players. So on one positive note, we had a positive sort of question from Twitter. So from BC Fabi, who was your standout performer at the She Believes Cup? So for me, uh, and I think this is something that we will definitely agree on and that the fan base will definitely agree on, that Kaylin Sheridan was just insanely good, especially under the circumstances. I know that she had, um, ironically, did have an error on what I think may have been, was it the second goal that we conceded? Where she was just kind of in no man's land and Vanessa played that back pass. But these things happen, that's fine. Um, I feel like our keepers can be quite eccentric like that and... Um, I definitely think that her performances um, over the next few games more than made up for that, especially because she's in off season and she was still so sharp. So um, I think it's very important for her to be having these kinds of performances because she's following up um, from, you know, Steph Labbe, who has been um, such a key part of this team and, you know, such a go-to for us. And she has also pulled off, especially during the, um 2021 olympics um yeah pulled off massive things so i think it's really really good for kaylin to be having those kinds of game saving saves um where she does kind of bail us out um so yeah for me 100 percent kaylin yeah i agree i don't really think you know when we look at the two goals the americans scored i mean one is just somebody having a really good shot you know that i don't know that anybody you know that anybody necessarily would have saved and then obviously there was that one miscommunication on the last one between Gian Sheridan but Kaylin made some great saves you know like she kept us in it as much as she could she did her job and then against Brazil I mean she was playing like a woman possessed she saved so many saves especially in that second half when our team kind of lost some of its gusto and lost some of its ability I think to to push forward as much um she really kept us in it and I mean I think it was even the commentators that said you know she's she's making saves she shouldn't have to because we're just letting the letting Brazil kind of run through and so I think she did fabulously and then I mean obviously the Japan game is a little hard to little hard to assess obviously she wasn't in net for one of those goals and then you know one's a PK I, I mean she guessed the right way I can't blame her for not saving that and I mean obviously that's hard to come off the bench you know you expect that you're going to have a day off after two days and then you know you see your friend get injured so I mean, I think she's the, she to me is the only performer from this camp that I can say had a definitive, good, solid performance across the matches. Yeah, Sheridan is absolutely brilliant as always. I'd have to say though that Lacasse finally proved to me that she should have a spot in the World Cup team. She finally showed what she can bring to the team that could be missing in games. Yeah, agreed, especially. (laughs) Go ahead, Meg. Sorry. Um, yeah, I uh, I 100% uh, agree with that. I know that I um, have been not hard on Chloe. Um, I think the thing is that we've <clears throat> seen her been so um, insanely good for club. And I think it was a case of, can she also bring that kind of energy to the national team? Um, which is why thus far I've been a bit like, okay, um, she's really good, but um, is she going to be able to step it up uh, in, at the international stage? And like Molly said, I think that she just brought a different kind of um, energy to that forward line. You know, she's very physical. She'll dive in, she'll tackle, she'll get, win the ball back. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think um, even though she didn't, she definitely didn't score. I don't think that she assisted either. Um, so even though like 
that's why um, she didn't kind of um, get any of those numbers. Uh, it, I still feel like um, she gave a really good performance, uh, particularly in the Japan game. Yeah, I think her pace right now is something that we're missing because obviously you look at Prince and Rose and those two are insanely fast. And I think LaCasse kind of brings that sort of speed and physicality back that, you know, we're missing with Rose right now. So um, I agree. I think watching her this tournament, I especially at a time when the team was obviously not themselves, you you could actually assess what she would bring to the team. So, yeah, I agree. I think obviously with the injuries, it's kind of been a known you know, not a great secret that she'd be making the World Cup roster, you know, unless anything happens. And I think this to me, like you said, guys, it it, it proved that she, you know, is somebody that could start, you know, one of the group games and, and really make an impact and, and help the team. All right. So we'll move on to part two. Our next segment is all about the World Cup squad. So our first question is from MCFC underscore Lucy. And it's, is there any player that hasn't been in the last few squads who you think deserves to be in the squad for April or go to the World Cup? And Molly, I'll start with you this time. For me, it's Victoria Pickett. I think depending on Scott's injury, we may want to take another look at her. She's been brilliant for her club teams. I'm not sure why she hasn't made the transition to the national team yet. And we have Sylph's retirement after World Cups coming up. And then with the short turnaround to the playoff games for the Olympics, I think Pickett definitely deserves another look. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I think um, the issue now obviously is time. And I think some of it probably does depend on Desi's injury. Um, I think, yeah, the difficulty is that with um, Pickett not making uh, the final She Leaves um, Cup squad roster, I kind of don't see her getting back in now. Um I think uh, that it would be, like I said, a quick turnaround. Um, but I do think that she's got to be key going forward. I don't think that we have the midfield options um, to continually pass her up, especially now that we know that Sophie's retiring after the World Cup. Um, yeah, she would definitely be one that if I were to pick a player to be put into the mix, then I would go with her. Uh, but I'm not sure how realistic that is. Yeah, I agree. I think Pickett is somebody that I definitely want to see going forward. But in terms of, you know, if there's anybody I think that deserves to just be in the squad for April or go to the World Cup, I, I don't really think so. I don't think we should be bringing anyone else in at the moment. Um, I think we really need to be able to work on our partnerships and work with the players that we have. You know, like Bev has said, narrowing this roster down to 23 will be challenging. Um, and we need to use the limited time available, I think, to really assess the 26-ish players that we have in that mix. I think adding somebody else in isn't necessarily going to help the team. I think that might hinder. Um, and especially like if we look at, you know, if Rose, Revere, Prince, if all these people come back from injuries, they're going to be in that mix too. And so then it just creates more, more players. And um, the issue I think that we have to kind of think about is the CSA has cut the number of players that Bev is allowed to bring into camps. Um, so we have no idea how many players Bev is allowed to bring. Um, so we might be pushing that number already. And so I don't really, I, I don't know. I don't know what that number is. I don't know what those resources are, but I don't really think that we should be bringing anybody else in now. I think we really need to use that April training session, you know, those training extra days to really focus on our partnerships, focus on different formations and see what we can go, you know, do with the players that we have and give the players like, let's say Larissi, Awujo, those players that are fighting for that World Cup spot, give them the chance to perform and prove that they deserve it rather than bringing somebody else in. Okay, so 
The next question we have from Twitter is from Kay Borrell. Who are your picks for the final roster given it will only be 23 players? And this is an interesting question, obviously, given everything going on. Um, Meg, do you want to take a stab at this first? Um, yeah, so I think if we just start with goalkeepers, which seems like a, a pretty obvious place to start, seeing as um, it looks like Sabs may be out for um, a bit. I mean, obviously, we haven't had an update yet, so hopefully it looked worse than it actually uh, is. Um, the problem is is that if she is out uh, longer term, then our second uh, most internationally experienced goalkeeper is a forward. Um, so we are we literally have like Kaylin, and then we have Janine with ten minutes at the end of a game when Steph got sent off. So that's obviously um, going to be an issue if if that is the case. Obviously, um, Sheridan's in, no question. Uh, no argument. She is uh, number one. Um, D'Angelo easily gets in if um, she is fit. And then Prue um, seems to be um, Bev's choice for third keeper. And that's one of those things where um, we don't see in training. So it's it's whatever Bev thinks for that third keeper. Um, if, if Sabs isn't fit, there's one thing that I was thinking. So it Parpenko or Kerr, I suppose, would be um, next in line. But I was wondering, would McLeod come out of international retirement if we were sort of really struggling with this? I think if, if she didn't, then obviously, like, completely respect her choice. Um, she has officially retired now. But I do wonder if it is something that, that could happen if Bev may approach her or she may sort of, like, say, look, I know that if Sabs is out for the World Cup, then essentially the team is screwed if Sheridan gets injured. Um, so I do wonder if that if that could be um, a situation. I think, um, yeah, that, uh, that may be an option. Yeah, I think Bev, I mean, Bev and Aaron, to me, seem to have a good relationship. You know, when Bev has talked about Aaron's retirement and just the fact that, you know, Aaron went from being number one to number three and was all about, about all the, you know, just about the team and helping the team prepare for the Olympics. And so... I could see, like, it's not out of the realm of possibility to me that Bev would approach Aaron and be like, hey, we have Kaylin, Sabrina is now injured, please come. Like, that to me is something that could happen, and I think Aaron would consider it because of her commitment to the team and, you know, kind of what she's seen. I mean, I do just want to point out, I think Sabrina D'Angelo has horrible luck with injuries. I think she's been injured for, you know, a couple different tournaments, and so that's just really unfortunate for her and I sincerely hope that she's here for the world cup um otherwise I will cry um because yeah that's not going to go well if we just have Sheridan and then Prue and then Karpenko or Kurt like that's not going to be something that goes well in any way shape or form um and I mean not I mean I have confidence in Sheridan I just don't think you know you need a second keeper and to me right now we don't have one if Sab is injured. So Aaron, this is a plea. If you're listening, please come out of retirement and have your phone on if Sabrina is injured. Thank you very much. Yeah, I agree. It's Sheridan, of course. And then Sabrina, if she's uninjured, if she's not, Aaron, come out of retirement or her, if needed, she's at least has some pro experience. Karpenko still in college. So I'm not sure I'd call her up, but 
knock on wood for that Sabrina's healthy. Molly, do you want to start with defenders then? So for the obvious, it's Buchanan, Jill, Riviera, now that she's training again, seems like she'll be back pretty quickly. And then Lawrence, I originally had um, BSG in the lineup, but since she didn't make the most recent She Believes, I think she may be out now. So I'm not sure about that. And then the maybes for me are Carl, Rose, and Zdorsky and Chapman, just depending on the partnerships going in, in April. And Yeah, I agree. I know that one that I was initially haven't been as sure of over the past year, which is probably an odd thing to say, um, considering how good she is, uh, was Jade Rose. Um, just because it's not... Um, I'm not sure that Bev would have wanted to bring four um, pure centre-backs um, in, obviously, Jill and Buchanan and then Zdorsky. So that was why, even though I do genuinely believe that Jade uh, Rose has it in her to become one of our best players, um, I wasn't too sure if she would make it in. Now that she's playing fullback, for me, um, she's nailed her place in the World Cup squad. Um, and the only reason that previously I said that I wasn't too sure was literally just because um, of the depth in that area. Um, so, yeah, now that she's playing um, fullback, uh, I think that she's probably nailed her place in the squad. Um, I also agree with regards to Carl, and I think her versatility is going to be a huge asset. Um, and that uh, BSG is probably out at this point, I think. There was a same with Yeka and Levisa. Um, there was a bit of a battle for that final kind of versatile defender place. And it seems like uh, Carl has won out on that front. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it says a lot that, you know, Carl came into the She Believes pre camp roster with a knock. Um, and she was still chosen to to stay as part of that final 23. So I think to me, that shows that Carl is definitely one of the you know, is on Bev's radar as, you know, somebody that can definitely come into a game and, and sub and make an impact. Um, so the defenders I had, I think it's, you know, the obvious ones, Buchanan, Gilles, Riviere, Lawrence, um, that to me all, you know, I don't think anybody's going to argue with any of that. And then I had Jade Rose as well. I think she really impressed me this past tournament. I ha honestly, I didn't, wasn't sure of her before like you guys, but then, you know, seeing her be able to play two different positions, um, I think she's really stepped up and now it's more than just one good game. You know, I think before it was like everybody said, oh, she's fantastic based on one Australia game, which where she was great, but I need more than one game. And I think she showed that. Um, so then, yeah, I have Carl and then I also have Alicia Chapman and Chapman was somebody that I was prepared to drop, I think, before 2023. Um, but to me, she really impressed this past window. I think, you know, her speed is something that we can't overlook. And I think you know, that's who I'd take. So yeah, Buchanan, Gio, Rose, Carl, Lawrence, Riviera, Chapman. Uh, I guess we can talk about the fact that two of us don't have Shalina Zadorsky, um, because that's probably going to be a question stemming from this if people are listening. Um, so I guess for me, I just didn't, I, I didn't put Zadorsky on my roster simply because, you know, we have Buchanan and Gio, who I think are nailed center backs. And then you have Jade Rose who can play there. You have Carl who can play there. Um, I think Sophie Schmidt has even played there before. And I think Shalina at this point for me is just too error prone in comparison to the other, um, the other defenders. And I would almost rather take Alicia Chapman to have her as an option as fullback than have Shalina as another center back. 
yeah, she's she is still uh, in my roster, roster, Shalina. Um, <clears throat> I do agree with you. And at this point, I do think that going forward, um, I do I would probably prefer um, Jade to be the third choice centre back. Um, I also though would like to see a bit more from Shalina. See how um, she does um, over the next couple of camps. Um, see how she does crucially in April. So she she is still in there for me. Um, I think she's got a lot of experience, a lot of leadership. Um, so that is that is why I would still uh, keep her in mind at least for now. I can't remember. Did we see Jill and Zadorsky play together? She believes. No. No, so it was um, Buchanan was the entire tournament, and then Gilles and Zadorsky each got a game and a half to audition, essentially. Yeah, I do think we need to see Gilles and Zadorsky play just because Buchanan is prone to those yellow cards, and I love her. But I think we need to see more partnerships in the center backs. That's a really good point because I think, was it 2016 Olympics? You know, Kadisha got a couple of yellow cards and based on accumulation wasn't playing. So yeah, to have a different partnership and and see how that would work. I think that you're right. That's something that would definitely be, definitely be a good idea because I think Kadisha is our um, lover, but she's our defender. I think that can rack up those yellow cards pretty quickly. I think in the 2016 Olympics, we actually didn't have a consistent center back pairing over the group stages because Shalina got sent off in the first so then she couldn't play the second and then by the third game Keisha couldn't Keisha couldn't play the third game because of yellow card accumulation so yeah I think that when it comes like we all know Canadian defenders um it's I feel like it's a rite of passage to just either make some stupid error or um yellow card accumulation or even getting sent off um, so it is definitely going to probably be the case that we need to know that the defenders, the centre-backs that we take can play um, in different kinds of partnerships and different kinds of bat lines. Um, because looking at what happened in 2016, maybe that happens again. And funny enough, when you look at 2016, I mean, obviously the colour of the medal changed in 2021, but 2016 was our best tournament in terms of wins draws losses right like everything was a win except for that semi-final game against germany and so yeah that's an interesting it's an interesting thing to think about the fact that our center backs were just a complete you know shapeshifter dependent on cards and we still did very well so maybe that bodes well i don't know all right so now that we've gone through the defenders i guess we can move on to midfield um so the midfield that i would take consists of fleming sinclair grosso quinn Schmidt, Awujo, and then Scott, dependent on her injury. I mean, we've just seen her on crutches. I don't know what the injury is. Um, I'm hoping it's not terrible. Because I would really like to see Scott and Schmidt play together one last time, seeing as this will obviously be Schmidt's last tournament. Um, But that's a midfield I would go with. I think it's pretty, you know, set at this point in terms of who Bev likes to use. I mean, you're not going to cut Fleming or Sinclair or Grosso. Quinn I think you need the experience that Schmidt has I think Awujo brings something really interesting to the mix so that's what I would do yeah I pretty much agree they that was my list as well um Awujo I think it depends on numbers in other areas and it depends kind of if we were fitting um Deanna Nichelle in here it depends on um Desi's uh, injury status so for me I can see Awujo possibly getting cut, but purely on the basis of numbers rather than anything that she's particularly done. 
um, she at the moment is in my squad. Her passing range is great. I think as a young player coming through, I think it's really important for us to get that experience. Um, but I do think out of those midfielders, she is probably the one that's more on the edge. And I think it's important to note too, that we definitely won't have Schmidt for the Olympics next year. And we may or may not have Scott and we may or may not have Sinclair. So I think having a Wuzhou gain, you know, experience in a major tournament like the World Cup where she's not necessarily playing as much is something that's probably going to be valuable going into next year when we have, a you know, a midfield that's going to look vastly different than what we've known for 20 years. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. When you put it that way for 20 years, it hits me then that it's going to be completely different. It's crazy. So yeah, I have the same as you guys with Fleming, Grosso, Quinn, and Schmidt. Um, Scott, hopefully she's healthy. I think we really missed her in the She Believes. And then Awujo and Sinclair, of course. Yeah, I think that that makes sense for sure. And so now we can move into perhaps the one that's maybe the most up for grabs in terms of spots on the roster. And so uh, just looking at our forwards, Molly, do you want to kick off the forwards? Um, starting off with, I think, Janine Becky. She's our most consistent forward at the moment, and you have to bring her. And then Jordan Heidema, I have. Um, Evelyn Vienne, of course. I think she is such a, she reminds me a lot of Sinclair with her goal scoring and how she just gets in the right position. And I think we really missed that last summer during the qualifying, just those loose balls that could have been goals if we had Ev playing. Then Adrienne Leon, um, she's really stepped up the last couple games and proved that she can be that player that we need. And then Chloe Lacasse. Yeah, I um, I agree. Uh, so much of this depends on whether Nichelle and Deanna fit. Um, and that's why it's so difficult to put the squad together in terms of forwards right now. And I'm sure it's similar for Bev having to think through this because... It seems that, at least from our perspective, we don't have many updates on either of them. So if they are fit, then I include them. But by fit, I would say fit to be in the squad for April and fit to play fully um, in June. I think we've seen from the US women's national team what happens when you try and play players through injuries. And as horrible as the idea of a World Cup without Deanna and Nichelle is, I would not like to see them have to play and have to be relied on like that if they're not fully fit. Because I don't think that's fair. Um, I don't think it's kind of sensible to have two half-injured players in the squad in the first place uh, in, a, in a smaller squad of 23 um, in such a physical tournament. And I also don't think it's especially fair on them. And I think you risk um, worsening injuries um, unnecessarily. Uh, again, looking at players like Julia, Sam Ewis, like these are fairly young players, especially Deanne. They've got loads to offer in their future. And I don't think that we can take any risks with, with them. Um, that said, if they are fit um, and ready to play properly, bring them. Um, I think we really miss them. Uh, I think we miss uh, their speed. Um, I think Deanne's quite a creative player. Then we have missed um, her influence in that um, perspective. And I think Nish just has the ability to just terrify defenders sometimes. Like she's just kind of like all over the place. Even if her finishing isn't always amazing. Um, I feel like she adds quite a lot um, in terms of getting behind the defence. 
Um, other players, yeah, Janine Becky, I feel like um, not only just in terms of what she offers creatively uh, and in front of goal, uh, her leadership, I think, is really, really key, especially if we've got Sinclair will unfortunately probably, you know, she's going to retire in the next couple of years. We can't deny that. Um, and even with Schmidt and Scott probably reaching the end of the careers, I think that it's really important that we have um, young, uh, younger leaders in there. Um, Adriana Leon um, has scored goals. I don't, I don't think um, you can say uh, any more than that, that she has been a reliable goal scorer and she has also um, scored some pretty impressive goals. Um, so she definitely has to be in there. Um, Jordan Heitemer, um, again, um, young but experienced. Um, I think that she offers quite a lot in terms of a hold-up play as well, which I think, um, depending on the opponent, will come in quite useful. Um, Evelyn Vienne, um, as Molly said, um, as kind of like those raw poacher instincts um, is something that I think we sometimes miss. We create these chances and then nothing comes of them. And I think that's something that um, Vienne could definitely help with. And Chloe Lacasse, um, I think I've, I've touched on this before, that um, this window has been a turnaround for her in terms of taking on that responsibility of having that sort of impact as a starting player. Um, and yeah, I think I think she's got to be in the in the World Cup squad. Um, now on the edges of this, again, depending if on if Prince and Rose are fit, is Clarissa Larity. Um, she's been quite promising in what we've seen from her so far. Um, I really like her energy. Um, I liked what she brought to the Japan game in the minutes that she got. So if Prince and Rose are both out, then I definitely would add uh, Clarissa in there. Yeah, so for me, I'm taking a little bit of a, a different approach in the sense that I'm just going to presume that Prince and, and Rose are not available. And I think I'm, I mean, I hate to say that because I obviously would love to see them play and see them be fit. But I haven't seen anything from them in terms, I mean, especially with Deanne, I haven't seen any training videos or getting back on the pitch or anything like that to show me that they're at least in a position where they're able to start rehab. Um, I am concerned, like you said, Meg, that we'd be bringing somebody that's maybe half fit or three quarters fit um, to the World Cup if they were to kind of come in now. And I think when we're looking at establishing partnerships and things like that, especially over that April window, maybe a random June friendly if it happens. And then July, they're already in Australia. There aren't many games left for them to get back to fitness. Um, and that's what worries me. So for right now, as unless we hear anything otherwise, for me right now, Prince and Rose just aren't part of that forward group, simply because I don't think they're going to get back to fitness. And I don't think it's fair on them to bring them when they're not fit. And I also don't think it's fair to the other players to bring them when they're not fit. Um, so for me, I would bring Janine Becky. I think it's pretty clear that, you know, Becky's versatility is something that this team greatly needs, you know, literally playing in every position on the pitch um, and, you know, not getting the recognition for it. And I think too, you know, she obviously scores goals too. Um, she's probably single-handedly when you look at her setups and her goals, what she did for the team in 2016. And then again, in 2021 at the Olympics, um, Chloe Lacasse to me, again, she's really proven that she can come on this team, be a good impact sub and also be a good starter. She has pace and physicality that I think with Rose out, we need. Um, Leon, like you said, she's a goal starter or a goal scorer. You know, I think 
I think you need her. We'll talk about her a bit more later on, but I think she's someone you bring. Um, I think you bring Vien and Heidema because they're both really good in that number nine. I also like seeing them play together like we did against Brazil um, at the end of last year. And then I would bring Larissa right now. I think she's at least healthy to our knowledge. She's fit. She's, you know, she's playing professionally. She's made a good move. And she has, again, a pace that we haven't seen or that we don't really see without Rose and Prince. So that is what I would do for my forwards. I don't know if anybody else has anything you want to add on that or if we're good on terms of our of our 23. And also, this is a shout out to FIFA. Make it 26. The only thing that I would say that I have just thought is um, with Diane playing in the WSL, their season ends in May. So you're also looking at the fact that if she's getting back even for April, she's then got limited club minutes to even get back into things. Um, so, yeah, I know we are really hoping that we get updates on them soon and they're positive updates. Um, but I completely agree that it's it's not looking very good. And I think, too, Houston Dash mentioned or they listed Nichelle's as a season-ending injury, right, for 2023. I'm not crazy in saying that. No, you're right. I think Niche is for sure out. I don't see her getting back if Deanne's not back yet. I've hoped Deanne gets back. I miss her. I was watching videos from the Olympics last night and the way she got to that ball to win the PK for the United States against the United States is that we need that type of player. I just joined the Deanne love in here because Deanne is, is one of my favorite players and it's absolutely heartbreaking um, that she may miss this World Cup. But when I think about Diana, I just think about what she managed to do age 17 in the 2016 Olympics. Like this injury has come at such an unfortunate time, but I believe she's only still, she's only 23. So she's definitely got such like a bright future ahead of her. Um, but yeah, again, what she did to um, to draw that penalty kick, she, yeah, I, I see her as a very special and quite underrated player in terms of what she's already contributed to what she contributed to the team as a teenager, essentially won as a bronze medal. And um, even if she doesn't make this this World Cup squad, uh, we're going to be relying on her so much um, for years to come. Yeah, and I'd like to see when she comes back, I'd like to see her as a starter and get more minutes because, I, you know, we never really see her as a starter. Or if she does start, she gets subbed off at, you know, 60. It's normally kind of, you know, Prince and Rose kind of like to like subs. And I'd love to see Deanne you know, in a full couple full nineties for us and to see what she can do. So obviously hope we're all hoping she's back, but I think we're kind of, we're doubtful. And so we're planning and contingency. And if she makes it back, that's great. Um, but I'll move on from our 23 into our next Twitter question. And so from Dan Clark, nine, 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 is Vanessa Gilles a good fit for an ideal starting 11 or is she better off the bench? It's a good question. So hundred percent, I think she's a starter with her partnership with the Canons, great. And there's the reason she got into the starting 11 for the Olympics with so few caps. She just brings that steadiness and calmness that is missing with the Cannon's dorsky relationship. And there's no denying she's great on set pieces. I think all of her goals for club and country have usually been headers off corners or set pieces. And that's what we need. Yeah, definitely. When I think about Vanessa, I think of that recovery run that she made against Lauren Hemp when we played England. Like, she lost the ball, so an error, but then the way she got back, and we all know that Lauren Hemp is, like, insanely fast, 
Um, and that for me just sort of summarizes Vanessa. And I think, especially when we are making these errors, which, you know, um, are going to happen, I feel a lot more comfortable knowing that Vanessa is there to help mop things up. Um, and I agree, like, I really like her partnership with Buchanan. I think they complement each other really, really well. Um, and with us now potentially relying quite a lot on set pieces, um, obviously our set pieces were so good um, against Brazil. So Vanessa also then doubles up as an attacking threat. So 100% she's got to be a start. Yeah, you need her to start. I think you absolutely need her. And I think what's really funny to remember about Vanessa is she doesn't have 25 caps yet. She has 24 caps and she's absolutely incredible. So I think we're just kind of seeing the start of what she can actually do, which is exciting. And I also just want to point out her goal scoring percentage. I mean, she's only played 24 matches and she has scored three goals. That's a 12.5% scoring percentage. Like that's good for anybody, especially for a defender. And so I think, as you said, we need her on those set pieces. We need somebody that's as airily good as she is. And I don't know that our other defenders are as good airily in terms of when actually defending. So I think she adds an aerial threat that helps at both sides of the pitch. Um, she definitely isn't as error prone as some of our other defenders. Um, and I think you notice when she's not on the pitch, things look weaker without her. I, I don't think there is a pairing that looks as good. You know what I mean? And I think obviously she's had um, injuries in 2022. Um, and so then coming back, you know, and obviously coming back into a fraught environment and in, in the She Believes she had that one unfortunate back pass, but I mean, I'm not going to say she should be good. She should be cut from the starting 11 because of one bad back pass. Um, I think she's absolutely someone you need to start because when you don't, it's scary how much you notice that she's not there. Okay. So similarly, our next question is from TV 13 underscore 13. Likewise, where do you put Leon? Do you put her as in the starting 11 or as a change maker mid game? I have always said she's better off the bench. I think she's the perfect super sub. I see her as like the longer she sits on the bench, the more angry she gets and more ready she is to prove herself that she should be a starter. So she comes on and she'll score the goal that we need to win. But then when she starts, she doesn't have that same drive. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think that generally I also agree with you that I see her as a super sub. I think with Deanne and Nichelle potentially out, there is definitely more of an opportunity for her to start. So I think it's definitely going to be based on form in terms of the um, attacking starters that we have. So from my perspective, I'm not rolling her out to start her right now um, because she has um, had matches where you know she has scored, she has been really, really good. But I agree in that she just, she seems to like, get wound up on not in a bad way but she's she's just you know she's so keen to get on the pitch she's so keen um to get on the ball and score that she's just really good as a super sub and that's not an insult at all I feel like that's actually in, in some ways a credit you need those kinds of players and I think Dree is one of those kinds of players that just brings a new kind of energy um so yeah generally I would say a substitute at this world cup possibly a starter depending on the form of other players, specifically Chloe. Yeah, I think she is very much just a great super sub because she really does just come on and is like, I'm going to show you why you should start me. And here we go. And I think that's something that you need. And I, it's always exciting, I think, when she gets subbed on because you can see a new energy. You can see, you know, her willingness to to play and to get in front of goal. Um, 
I agree though in terms of form she's not in her best form right now and I think we also have to consider she's not playing for club right now and you know I'm not pointing blame at anyone there she's just simply not that's a fact um she played what 15 minutes today against Durham so she didn't feature against weaker teams you know like she didn't play against Sunderland she's not getting minutes she's not making the bench sometimes which is obviously a concern from a Canadian perspective so to me right now if she's not in form and she's not being able to play at club I would rather LaCasse start because LaCasse is somebody in form um, and is obviously featuring a lot for club so I think like you said make Leon can start but right now I think we need somebody that has that confidence and I'm just going to put it out there right now I don't want Leon as a number nine again I don't think that experiment worked. Um, I don't think that went well in any way, shape, or form. I think she's somebody you need on the wing to kind of have those, you know, r- runs in where she kind of cuts through the middle. I don't think you should put her as a nine, especially when we have somebody like Evelyn Vient or you have Jordan Heidema. So um, starter, that's fine. I think that's perfectly fine. Just don't do it as a number nine, Bev, please. I am begging. It made me laugh as well, but the issue that we have right now is depth on the wing. We have two such clear, like, number nines battling for that spot. Um, and then, you know, you even have sync. And let's let's try. Let's try Dree there. Can we not? But, yeah, no, totally agree. Um, do not like that idea at all. Please keep her on the wing, please. So we also have another similar question regarding starters for the World Cup. So from Vince Camiso 73 do you start Jade Rose in the World Cup? Uh, no. I think that she is still too inexperienced. I would, I say, would you start her? I would definitely start her in a group stage game. Um, I'd give her substitute minutes. I, I'm not saying, you know, keep her on the bench for the entire tournament. I definitely think that she can cope with that level. I just think it's a lot to ask of somebody who has only just really broken into this team someone who doesn't have the professional experience that, for example, Vanessa had when she managed to make that leap, particularly when we have such a good partnership with Buchanan and Gia. I I wouldn't throw Jade in there just yet. But again, I I think that she is absolutely supremely talented. And if, um, God forbid, uh, Buchanan or Gia got injured, then I I would definitely trust her to step into that start. But whilst we have those two fit for them, for me, that's got to be my uh, starting centre-back partnership. Yeah, I definitely agree. I wouldn't start her, maybe against Ireland, depending on how the other games have gone. I do think she should get good sub-experience and minutes during the uh, World Cup, just because going forward, I think she'll be key for 2024. I think actually, to me, you start you you treat her like we treated Jade Riviere in the 2021 Olympics. So to me, you know, she's somebody that's capable of starting. So yeah, maybe you give her a group game. Um, I mean, she proved herself against Australia, so maybe you put her there. I don't know, but you you start her in one of those games to give her the confidence and to show that you trust her in these sort of situations. And then I think you treat her like a Jade Riviere. You give her consistent sub minutes. You know, you you show that you have the trust in her and you give her that experience. But I don't think, to your point, I don't think it's fair to put her in a starting position when she has six caps and she doesn't have any professional experience. And I just think in these sorts of tournament situations or, you know, high pressure situations when the world is watching you, um, 
it's different than playing in a friendly. And so I think you don't necessarily start her over somebody that has that experience. So, you know, if you're talking in fullbacks, Ashley Lawrence, Jade Revere, even Gabby Carl, uh, Alicia Chapman, you know, I don't think you start her over any of those people when they're fit because she just doesn't have that experience. So I think you use this as her tournament to get experience. And then when you look at 2024, you know, maybe Alicia Chapman retires, you know, I don't know, but you know, she's always, she, she, she keeps telling people that she's put it off. So maybe, you know, maybe that's an opportunity for her to kind of slot in. So um, I think you use it as a prep tournament for her. Our next question is from Jules Watches. What does the ideal midfield look like to you come World Cup time? This is a loaded question, I think. I feel like we definitely agree on this. Um, I think that it's, I feel like it's just obvious at this point. I feel like it's got to be Fleming Grosso Quinn. I think that this tournament the She Believes Cup really showed how much we miss actually having a proper six, a proper CDM. I know that it's going to be difficult to replace Desi. I don't think Quinn directly replaces Desi. I don't think you can replace that kind of sort of pure defensive midfielder, like quite a classic um, defensive midfielder, focusing more just on protecting that back line rather than um, sort of like passing forward. I don't think that you can replace that, but I think that Quinn is a very viable option who does offer other things that Desi doesn't. And I think it's in terms of it's going to be adapting to that. I think that it's a waste to have Fleming and Grosso have to play in a double pivot defensively. I You need to enable them to get forward. For me, Fleming's got to play as a 10 and Grosso as an 8. And I know that Quinn was uh, ill, so we didn't get to see them um, play uh, as much as maybe we would have liked this tournament. But yeah, for me, that, that's got to be the starting midfield. I think they all offer different things. They're all very talented players. And I think that's a very well-balanced midfield. Yeah, I think um, I agree. I mean, I think to me, that's your strongest midfield three. Um, what I found interesting is one of, during one of the press it, pressers, Bev mentioned, you know, because somebody asked that same sort of question, you know, what is your starting midfield? And Bev said that it depends on the opposition, which I find a bit of an interesting way to look at things um you know so she said when it's someone like a japan or a, you know a usa you want somebody like maybe sink as the 10 where you know they have the ability to just kind of flick the ball um you know and it's a bit different than somebody like a brazil where you maybe want jesse as a 10 who can you know do different things and sink has a different profile um so i think that's an interesting thing i would need to see different formations i think for me Fleming and grosso always start um I don't think it should be in a double pivot. I think that is a, like you said, a waste. Um, you need one of those two at least to be able to get forward because they are, are so good getting forward when they do, both of them. And they both have the ability to defend. Um, it was tricky, like you said, with Quinn being injured for two matches. I mean, it's hard to judge, especially because this tournament would have been a really good opportunity to see Quinn Fleming Grosso with Scott injured. Um I think it's interesting. I mean, I think we have good midfield subs in terms of Scott and Schmidt that can come on and really, you know, help balance things out or defend when needed. But yeah, it's got to be Fleming, Grosso, Quinn in some sort of formation that doesn't involve Fleming and Grosso in a double pivot. You guys pretty much said what I wanted, what I was going to say. Um, Fleming, Grosso, Quinn has to be the starting midfield. So I think um, our last question in this, and I think this is a really good question, um, from David Lingley, what does the team need from Canadian fans and supporters leading up to the World Cup? Um, I can start this one off. I think the main thing is just to be there for the team. 
um, stop trivializing what they're going through. I think a lot of people are doing that and, you know, saying, oh, it's just, it's just about equal pay. It's just about equal pay. And it's not, um, I think, you know, paying attention to things like the standing committee, you know, when players make their appearances, when I'm presuming Nick Bontis and Earl Cochran make their appearances, pay attention to that, stay informed, stay involved, and really just stand by them because they're fighting for this sports future in our country. And they're not just fighting for this team. They're fighting for the men's team too, which I think is getting lost in a lot of male comments uh, on Facebook and on Twitter. So I think just realizing exactly what they're fighting for and what they're up against. And I think that's the main thing that we can do is just correct misinformation and, and help them, you know, stand by them in their fight. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of it is sharing their message and like boosting it and correcting this information when you see that it's equal pay or it's just about not getting paid. There's a lot more to it than that. And supporting them and doing what we can. Let them know that we're here for them and that they have our full support and whatever they choose to do going forward. Yeah, I can only echo what you two said, really. Just um, continue to um, support them in whatever way that might be, whether that's social media, whether that's uh, going to matches. Um, yeah, just continually emphasizing that we're here for them. Um, yeah. So we have one final, I guess, sort of fun question from Sash underscore 17. What is your favorite Canadian goal and I know this was a tough question for all of us because we all thought about it before and I mean there are so many goals um you know when you have someone from like Sinclair scored 190 plus then you added everybody else's um so who wants to take this one because I know it was so hard for all of us to decide on on what our favorite goal was like you said Laura there's the 190 of sinks and I think any one of them could be a favorite goal but for me it's her goal against Nigeria and Victoria uh I was there seeing sync score in person is amazing and it's a great experience for anyone and it was just a good goal but the environment definitely made it that much better and more special for me so my favorite goal would be Janine Becky's at the 2016 Olympics against Australia um the one within I think 20 seconds just because obviously um her Olympic debut and she just decides to break a world record, um, which is just insane. But also just the way the actual goal was set up, um, Sink just stealing the ball and then the perfect pass um, and then the finish. I mean, she couldn't miss really, but she didn't. Um, so the link up between those two especially um, is just, just such an amazing goal. Um, and definitely, although there's so many that I could have picked, I think that one um, is quite special. Or runner up was um Sink's record breaking 185th goal. Just because again, how insane is it that like well not insane, how amazing is it that um that record is is held by a Canadian? Um and she's just absolutely unbelievable. So yeah, those those are my two. It was an incredibly difficult question to answer. Yeah, so for me, um it's also that Australia game in the 2016 Olympics, but it's the Sink goal. And I think it's just because it was perfectly chaotically Canadian, just the way, you know, it's a scrambly defense and Keisha, you know, just kind of knees it to Jesse who looks up, sees sink is open, does a perfect long ball to sink. And then sink chips the keeper who is yards away from her line. Like, don't ask me why that happened, but it was great. And sink just cheap chipping the keeper and then scoring that. And, you know, we were, you know, down to 10 players and 
it just to me is perfectly chaotically Canadian. And that is a brilliant goal. And I think Sink's reaction when she scored that goal says it all. My runner up or honorable mention goes to Jesse Fleming's goal against New Zealand in the 2019 World Cup. Um, kind of for the same reason that Molly picked her goal because I was there and to be in Grenoble and see the World Cup, like see a World Cup match live and see Jesse Fleming score that. That was just something that was incredible and I think will always live in my mind. Um, but I also think there are just a lot of goals and it's hard. This was definitely a hard decision. Um, yeah, I definitely watched a lot of games back and it's hard because every every game you watch, you go, oh, there's another good goal. Oh, there's another good goal um that it will be it for this podcast we did also receive some questions that we think you know merit broader discussion that we have than we have time for in this specific podcast so for future episodes we'll take a look at you know the provincial women's leagues um the best term for women's soccer you know and being inclusive of non-binary players and then also the question about marketing and and using ashley lawrence so we just want to make sure we give those ample time um so we'll do those in a future episode we saw the questions don't worry if you're listening Um, But for now, that is it. So thank you for listening to our first ever podcast. We hope you enjoy and please follow Rise Higher on Twitter if you want more information about your Canadian women's national soccer team. Thanks and have a good rest of your day.